Hey everybody, Caleb on his, uh, future Caleb on his MacBook mic here. Uh, here to say that this week we are not going to be doing the Q&A that we said we would. Uh, that'll be next week. So if you submitted questions, uh, stay tuned next week for answers to those. All right, on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge. I'm your host, Caleb Porzio. I'm the other host, Daniel Colborn. And this episode, we are going to talk about programming. That's what we do on this episode. <laughs> That's and right. on some episodes. But before we get into the episode, the episode is brought to you by two sponsors. 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 Our first sponsor, longtime sponsor. Third episode in a row sponsor is uh, Honey Badger. Honey Badger is uh, 24-7 error monitoring, which we will tell you about later. That's right. New sponsor, hopping on the show. Thank you very much to... Backblaze. Backblaze. Backblaze is a cloud backup solution. They call it a gimmick-free, unlimited cloud backup for Macs and PCs. Just six bucks a month. But we'll tell you more about that also later on. So, thank you to our sponsors. On with the show. That's right. Uh, D. Cole. What's up, dude? How's it going? It's going so good. That's How's it good. going for you? You launched something, right? Me? Yeah, didn't you launch oh, something yeah, yeah, yeah. recently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a client? Big, big client thing. Big launch. Uh, you had already written most of the code for this, um, but the world had changed since you wrote hmm. this code, and so things Must not have been dry enough. Interesting. Oh, Caleb, I have a I have a a Caleb Porzio old code nitpick. Give it to you. me. Okay. I'm already so my defenses are already up. <laughs> Good, as they should be. Um, imagine a scenario where you had one table that had UUIDs. Yeah. Right. Yep. And you were going to listener relate a UUID for the percentage of listeners that don't know is like normal IDs in a database. It's like integers that auto increment. One, two, three. But sometimes, let's say you have like two databases for the same system, and you don't want those incrementing IDs to like overlap. So UUIDs, it's like a big random hash string thing that you would set yep. as the key. And maybe in the URL, you don't want to show the incrementing. You don't want people to you're be give- able to increment. Yeah, you're giving information away about your system simply by displaying an ID anywhere. So UUIDs are common for like things that are in the url things that are across systems things that probably a bunch of other things i'm missing so um yeah and laravel makes it really nice there's a uuid migrator so when you're migrating and you do like table arrow string you can do table arrow uuid and name it and then you just set uh and that's pretty much it that's all you gotta do Mm -hmm. so imagine well you have to uh, use a generator to generate the uuid when you start okay i'm done go on Right. So imagine you were like some, I don't know, you're a company, you sell some product, let's say uh, car insurance. Okay. Yeah. You sell car insurance and you've got like a policies table. Yeah. Okay. And let's say in the policies table, each policy has a UUID. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, But this is like a good uh, Laravel app that uses Laravel cashier. Yeah. Um, And you've got uh, subscriptions. Yeah. Right. 
so you've got to relate policies to the subscriptions that people are paying with cashier. Yeah. So why would a person store the UUID of the policy in the name field of the subscription and then have that be the relationship? Could it be a cashier demand? It's a cashier created table for sure yeah um like it could be a laravel cashier constraint just that there be a name yeah well yeah or maybe that the name has to correspond to the name in stripe and the incrementing Ah. i mean i i know what you're saying i remember those two tables and uh yeah I mean, I, I, I believe there's something along those lines. That whole system, that part of the system has had to be pretty special. <laughs> it, was a name, it was a naming issue, and it didn't seem like on brand for you to have, a, to have a column or to have like a relationship defined where it's like subscriptions uh, belongs to many subscription comma name. Yeah. I was like, huh? <laughs> I don't know why. Something, oh, there's something about it. Something about it. Maybe because, you know, I don't know. It's too far away for me to explain anyway. why I came up with it. But I do remember crazy things with like years of subscription. Like if there's like five, mm-hmm. like I would create all the subscriptions up front and then transition over the the hypothetically five years of a car insurance policy yeah yep so that's what uh i was recently working on was there's these uh policies that people have um and they're billed let's say five dollars the first year five dollars and twenty cents the second year five dollars and thirty cents the next year until the policy is complete right yep and so the way that's organized is it's one subscription in stripe and then there's a separate right. plan for each year. Um, and we were pushing up on the deadline where the first users were going to be more than one year old. Uh, and yeah. so all of them needed to transition from the first plan to the second plan. And a bunch of things had changed since the job that did that was made. Mm. And we were not positive that it was going to work. Um, did it work? not the old job but it eventually worked (laughs) was it my fault or did the system change no no the system changed massively okay um like there used to be like a stripe plan year one column and a stripe plan year two column yeah that's all gone there's now stripe plans because things can be more than a specific number of years yeah there's so anyway long story short uh what ended up happening and what was probably the coolest thing is we built cedars so we had some fake stripe data for some users that were really old yep right and so we had that fake stripe data so we built these cedars that generated users and all of their associated million models um in our database gave them all the correct stripe ids for all the right things yeah um and then we have the command that updates them uh, which we would run, and then we would check in Stripe that all the right things had happened and none of the wrong things had happened. Yeah, because there was a bunch of like weird date checking stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then we built another command that went up to Stripe, rolled back all of the stuff that we had just done in Stripe uh, and in our database so that we could do it again when we changed the code. So all all day for like the last like Friday, Thursday, Friday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, basically, was me running an artisan command to seed a bunch of things, trying running an artisan command to update all of the subscriptions, checking Stripe to see if it worked, and then running another artisan command to like roll it all back and start over. It was pretty interesting, pretty fun. Nice. Um, and everything went well? We think so. It hasn't gone to prod yet. Uh, okay. Because it was Friday night when we got it finally working. Um, but we got it in staging... Uh, a lot of it is queued, so it worked fine locally when we were using QSync, and then we realized that something was broken when we what's QSync? Oh yeah, right. When your queue driver is sync, which is right. just not queued. Yep. Um, but when things became asynchronous, when we put it on a Redis queue in staging, some things broke, so we had to fix those things. Okay. Um, and then now it works perfectly in staging. Uh, and so we didn't want to deploy Friday night, so we're deploying Sunday or Monday morning. Nice. So yeah, so it should work fine. Shoddy duty. Mm-hmm. So how about you? You've been making a fiddle. Deagle. You've been play, oh playing the fiddle. We need to talk. We need to talk. Talk to me about the fiddle. Okay. Well, we should we start with talking about the fiddle, but mm-hmm. you should know that there's a a really new cool thing that's been added to Livewire by my buddy Mark and B that uh, my buddy Max and I brainstormed a solution to something yesterday that is totally bonkers. We implemented like a quick little demo and I made it like legit this morning and I'm probably going to put it in Livewire tomorrow. And it is, oh my gosh, it's like the coolest feature ever. I think like I wanted to punch a wall when we got it working that that type Go of on then. So, so which where do we start we got to start with livewire fiddle okay that's where we left off yep so last week i came Follow to you <laughs> and said what did i say uh you said you mean uh on the podcast yeah what did you say mm-hmm. you said i want to make livewire fiddle imagine if people could just uh type livewire code in a browser and then use it right there in the browser. And then when I get bug reports, people would send me the good good fiddles. And then you had this kind of, I'm going to call it a cockamamie theory, <laughs> uh, that you were going to uh, just directly edit a Laravel installation uh, with user-submitted PHP code and everything was going to be okay. Yep. Um, and I pushed back on that pretty hard. And I, I think the community on Twitter agreed with me. I'm going to say, but yeah. anyway, uh, well, doing? I agreed with you pretty you agreed soon with me after. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and the main reason being, I'm not really concerned with, like at the time I wasn't concerned with people having a bad experience. I was mm-hmm. more concerned with like, my only actual concern was insecurity, which I clearly hadn't thought through two seconds mm-hmm. because yeah. there could easily be a CSRF attack or yes any number of attacks but the things that put random innocent visitors to the site in danger is like kind of a deal breaker so mm-hmm. the the options were like docker so a lot of people chimed in on twitter thanks everybody for chiming in um on like hey yeah docker's perfect for this and some people 
Marcel hooked me up with some of the stuff that he did for Botman's Playground, showed me the, the like NGINX Docker spinner upper thing that he used and whatever. Um, so I did actually roll up my sleeves with Docker for a minute. Mm-hmm. So I hate Docker. And I hate Docker because I'm just... It seems like something you would hate. Yeah, it's... I remember first... So I've heard about it forever. Everybody talks about it. I've been talking about it for a long time. At a conference, somebody did a talk where they literally just used Docker in a terminal. So I finally got to like see it. And I thought, that's doable. Like I could do that. And I got excited. Mm-hmm. And I made a little local Laravel app with Docker. And it was sort of exciting. And then whatever. My point for hating it is that it's um, in the same way. I'm trying to think of something I hate about the same amount. It's a tool that I don't have mastery of, mm-hmm. and it feels it feels the UI is not great. What's that? The the or the UX is not great. Right, like the developer interface in the console is a little clunky. Yeah, I guess like as far as developer interfaces for stuff like this goes, like coming from Vagrant, this is great. Like Docker's mm-hmm. way more user friendly, and mm-hmm. I understand the whole theory behind it and how it's so much more efficient. And the whole idea of containers, I love it all in theory. But whenever you're using anything Docker, like it's not just Docker, like as advertised, like, oh, you find a Docker file or, you know, you search on their like public repository of Docker images. You basically extend it. You run a bunch of commands to add the stuff you want. And then Mm -hmm. you have this thing that you can spin up and use and punch holes in the ports and whatever. Mm -hmm. I think my issue is you always Docker compose is like like mm-hmm. standard procedure which is like a, mm-hmm. that instead of the docker.yaml file or whatever it is docker file mm-hmm. it's just docker file, docker right? file. that yeah. just has all the docker instructions docker compose like spins up a swarm of docker containers that are in a network and talk to each other right. um so most times i've interacted with docker professionally it's like this whole ordeal with docker compose and it's basically the same pain points as i had with vagrant and homestead where you have to deal with this thing and like, if I wrap my head around it and really dive into it, I'll understand it. But then mm-hmm. I'm not working on it every day. I'm working on Laravel every day. So when I need to work on it, I'm like, wait, how do you open up a port or link a file system from the container to the parent? Like, how does this work? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan simply because it's just a little bit, a tiny bit hard for me. <laughs> yeah, it's not as easy as it was sold as for sure. Um, I think the Docker Compose stuff was always like pitched as like higher level Docker that like you most people won't need. Yeah, but it's never not something you need. Yeah, almost <laughs> anytime I encounter it, there's there's a Docker Compose file. I think even like the Laravel Docker, like the way to set up Laravel with Docker uses Docker Compose. Yeah, and then it's like networking, and it's like I don't like I'm not like a networking guy. Like I don't yeah, that's want to design this weird system. As, uh, not being a networking guy is both bad and good. Like I think because there's people who aren't networking guys like Adam, we have valet, you know, people who are mm-hmm. just like, okay, I'm not going to be bothered with all this. So mm-hmm. we're going to create something really simple. So in that sense, it's great. But in so many ways, like j- I just, I don't know, having that network gap in my knowledge, it's just something, I don't know. It's yeah. annoying. I have like a decent, just like web server stuff. I understand fairly well, but like the the whole thing of like when I have to have like like multiple servers 
talking to each other to run one website yeah. but a, one but like my database is on one of them and yep. my other things on yep and like sharding and all that yep. stuff like i fall apart me too hard. same yeah all that devopsy stuff really and yeah. it's it's like it's rough i know aws i have an account i can set up iam roles i know mm-hmm. ec2s e, like i know those yeah. things i use s3 i've used docker images i have uh like docker on my mac i have um whatever kinematic whatever thing that's like kitematic um all of those things same as you like i've dealt with stuff i've touched ip tables i've touched you know i've typed if config a hundred times i understand a subnet mask mostly but all of it not in a working way like it's not mastery it's it's not even working i just feel like i just don't belong doing any of it (laughs) sure it's intimidating same thing yeah no it it totally is and that's why uh, that's why those DevOps guys get the big bucks. Yeah. Because they go in and make the problems invisible to normal people like you and me. Yep. It's true. It's true. It's true. So, decol. Yeah. I got in a Docker for all of one hour. Uh-huh. And then I went, no, no, <laughs> I don't want to do this. Yeah, so I don't want a Docker. I was looking into Lambda, uh, AWS, Lambda, Vapor um and a couple other options basically i decided that serverless was going to be my path but i couldn't figure out like when you change a file does every person so if i use docker i still don't fully understand is the idea that every time someone changes a file on livewire fiddle so for the audience livewire fiddle is essentially code pen or js fiddle or something where you edit and then you see the the rendered result that you can play with the difference is CodePen, JS Fiddle, they're all front end, so they all run in the browser anyway. Livewire mm-hmm. needs a Laravel back end, so I need to allow the public to edit PHP files and run them, which is a huge issue because mm-hmm. they can easily run anything and kill a server or do bad things that other users will see on their page. Right. So I was looking at yes. Docker, and my idea was, or at least what, what it was kind of posed to me as, like every person would create one of these and they would get a container. That would be like a Laravel app or something. And then all those containers would have URLs or URLs would spin up containers. Or maybe it's one container with a read-only file system that has all the things. So I think all the files, all the files that they write just get stored in the database. Okay. All the PHP gets stored in a database somewhere. And then there are a bunch of containers that get spun up probably not on demand on runtime you're probably spinning them up on some sort of a schedule and then spinning them down again yeah um but you get a container and then you on runtime basically pull the database files into that container run them yeah okay and do it but you're not running them directly on the machine that could get compromised right you're so when someone changes a, a file what happens the database gets updated and the container is like recreated or how does it turn into a file that php reads you could do it any number of ways right you could uh you somehow you're watching the database you could literally be pulling it from in the container and say i would have to have read only access from the container because people could yeah, yeah yeah right yep yep okay so i'll just tell you what i did mm-hmm. it's serverless so I went serverless okay. and yep. I, this is funny cause it's only been one week since we talked, yep. but I feel like it's been a month <laughs> mm-hmm. in time that I've put into this and places I've gone. 
but mm-hmm. basically oh, the places it's totally know. serverless so i have uh-huh. livewire fiddle itself is a laravel app that can run on forge standard vanilla app that is not open for being compromised and then when you change a file livewire fiddle serves the ui that you can change a fiddle when that happens i upload sort of these ph this php code i uploaded to s3 so it's stored in S3, and then my Lambda, my serverless thing, when you call an endpoint with a certain hash in it, it's like yeah. a reference, it'll uh-huh. look up in S3, and it'll say, hey, is this file in S3? It's in S3, and then it'll write those files into like a cached PHP file, and then, yes. so Livewire will... This is what we talked about last week. Yeah, and last week I said, wait a minute, can you include a remote file can you require once like HTTP? Oh, slash slash. so that's the difference is you're copying them from S3 and then running them instead of just running them. Yeah, from but S3. I started out, I actually did an implementation where I was running them directly. Turns out there's Whoa. a PHP INI uh, option called allow URL include. And when you set it to Whoa. true, you can require, require once and include just URLs with PHP files. That's, that's wacky. Isn't that? So I did that. That with seems public like S3 shockingly files. scary. And yeah, I did it. And uh, um, the problem with it is that I lose all my ability to cache anything because it's not smart. Mm-hmm. It just loads. A, it makes a remote request every single time you do anything. Sure. So I went to a, a strategy that is cached. But um, that's cool, though. Yeah. So Livewire Fiddle, when you open it, there's like three panes. There's the two panes to edit the like the component in the view. And then mm-hmm. the other pane, which is an iframe into the Lambda. Then mm-hmm. And you, it's an endpoint that just, you know, it's a serverless Laravel app that and gets the U- stuff from S3. The URLs are like randomly generated, right? For the thing, the files that are stored? Um, yeah. The, well, the, the file that's stored has a hash, like a UUID. Every, mm-hmm. yeah, you have UUID. No, UUID. Yeah, what? No, UUID. Yes, me, 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 UUID. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's a UUID, and that gets sent into the URL, and that's the reference for the iframe. Yep. And then there's all of these crazy little fun things that I've been working on on top of that to make the experience really smooth. Um, but the big hurdle was, so something huge Livewire things or I got, Livewire fiddle what's things? What's that? Livewire things or Livewire fiddle things? Livewire fiddle things. Okay. Um, so something huge happened. Other, fu- yeah, so many fun things. I don't even know where to start. But here's okay. here's a fun, cool thing that at the time I thought, this is a huge game changer, but I don't want to tell anybody because I feel like I'd be, you know, like uh, um, somehow hurting Taylor's vapor efforts. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because I feel, so I got this running serverlessly for free. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the whole serverless part of this is mm-hmm. easy to set up and free to host and is fast and the free tier is crazy generous (laughs) Mm -hmm. because i was honestly i was looking at vapor and i'm like i just i don't make that much money like livewire makes me Mm -hmm. no money and Mm -hmm. i don't want to spend all this money every month because that means Mm -hmm. i'm that much farther did you price it out making any profit you know you priced it out no i mean just simply the monthly subscription straight up just 40 yeah yeah straight up 40 dollars a month i'm like I mean, I guess I could donate it to the community, mm-hmm. but I just would rather not spend that and then add on to that yep. the AWS fees. Yep, yep. So, have you heard of Zite? Zite, Zite. Now? 
No. Okay. So I've here's Zite now. Now is like an alternative to Netlify, sort of. Mm-hmm. It's in the same vein. And okay. the idea is kind of like Netlify, like zero config, simple little utility that you can just run. So the idea is you could do create React app, create a little React app locally. You could npm globally install this. Literally, it's called now. npm ig now. And you could type the word now, hit enter, and it would, if, you, if you're logged in, it'll prompt you for login info. It will basically upload your create React app to static files that you can, you know, like access. It like hosts them for you for free. It gives you a URL and you can access. And it just like picks a URL and gives it to you. Yep. It just generates a URL. It's yours. That's wacky and cool. And it's just served. Like Netlify, like static. But yep, yep. it also has um, Lambda functions. So you can okay. configure it to host backend code, like node functions and stuff. Uh-huh. It used to have a PHP option that you could host PHP functions. So I thought a while ago, I thought, I'll try to get Laravel running in this. And I failed because the vendor directory like destroyed the file sizes and it just totally was messed up. And I've been tracking this issue forever. It seems to have not gotten any better. But I decided to look again at the community and see if there's anything. And somebody created, uh, it's called a builder, but it's like a PHP driver for now. And basically you can Is just it node this. running PHP? What's that? Is it node running PHP? No, 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 no. Um, That's what everyone was doing on Lambda before. Before Lambda supported PHP, some people were like running PHP through node. Really? Yeah, it was crazy. How would that even work? I don't really understand it. Get a php binary and yeah and run like it as run a subprocess exactly yeah 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 that that's makes sense. i think what was happening so well this might not be that much different than that because it the builder is written in javascript and it does run php as a subprocess. but hmm. anyway the point is with a little bit of finagling and like working with a basically like hacking laravel to never store files you know you have to like yep set all the bootstrap caching and framework caching and view compiled view caching to this temporary directory um but i did it and i got a laravel app working on now zite now so basically you have free serverless laravel and it's easy and it's sick <laughs> like okay there's a couple caveats but honestly like i could just host any laravel app i make for free that's crazy yeah and it's That's a great insane. user experience. Hell yeah. And it's serverless, so you don't have to worry about a thing. Huh. And the, the Zite, and like control panel is sick. You have not blogged this, I assume? At this point. I have not. I might not. <laughs> I don't know. Just I thought about not even mentioning it here. <laughs> Podcast listeners only. Podcast listeners only. Don't tweet I, about it. I feel it. a little bit better that, <laughs> A, it requires you to finagle with Laravel. Yeah. I could build something that makes it easy, um, but I think that would be kind of lame considering Taylor just launched Vapor. But I also yes. truly believe that this does not a replacement for Vapor at all because it doesn't handle anything database, anything cache, any any of the things that any real Laravel app would have. It doesn't handle yeah. or offer any solution for it. You would still have to wire it all up yourself with AWS. Roger, so. Roger. That's cool, though. Yeah, that's but very it's super cool. cool. And for small little projects, just knowing that I can have serverless Laravel in no time at all. Yeah. Spin it up, whatever. Yep. And all it that's is amazing. is one file, now.json. My now.json file is like 15 lines long, and that's all you need to make a Laravel app completely serverless for free. 
Wow. <sighs> so that That's was insane. And I wrestled with that for, it was the kind of thing where for a long time I thought there's no way this is going to work. And I kept hitting errors like Laravel system mm-hmm. errors. And I kept mm-hmm. thinking, I'm going to chase this rabbit hole because it's worth it. But there's yeah. a good chance I'm going to come up dry. Yeah. But I didn't. It ended up working really well. That's funny. Yeah, that's one of those ones where it's like, sometimes you have something you're like, I'm not going to stop churning on this until I know why it's impossible. Yeah, exactly. But Right, like my gut tells me this is impossible. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, in the weeds. But Yeah, but I don't know that yet. So I guess I can't stop. Yep. Can't stop, won't stop. Oh, Caleb, would you mind if I tell you about something I like? Yeah. I'll tell you about something I like. It's called Honey Badger. Honey Badger does not give a a flip. Mmm, they do not. They do not give a flip. Um, Caleb, uh, how has the Honey Badger experiment been going? It's going well. Um, My trial is up. (laughs) which is really, <laughs> it's funny because i'm like wait gonna a minute. have to gonna have to spend some of their money to right. get to get the paid version do i email them and say hey can i have honey badger for free or yeah. do i like show my support for honey badger that i actually think it's good and uh-huh. pay for it for live or fiddle mm. um yeah i still don't know i mean i'm probably gonna pay for it because i don't know how to write an email like that <laughs> but sure uh, would you like to know one of the things that you would get if you did pay for it? Please tell me. If you paid for it, uh, you would get just a, a free benefit. You wouldn't have gotten it recently, and then now all of a sudden you do. Before, uh, they were doing uptime checks and uh, and check-ins. But, uptime uh, checks are the things that say that ping your site and make sure that it's working and not broken. And mm-hmm. check-ins are basically like heartbeats and Envoy where it's making sure that your cron jobs are still running correct uh so they were doing them and they were running guess what they're just doing them 10 times more now they're like you know what let's just check more often you know let's get granular with it so and if you were a paying user of honey badger this whole time you would have just been sitting there paying the same amount you would have gotten that benefit for free wow things would have things would have just appeared to you but yeah overall let's talk about what honey badger does so honey badger they do error reporting so uh when your app throws an exception uh, it gets caught and handed off to Honey Badger and logged so that you can review it at your leisure. Uh, they do notifications. Uh, so if when those errors come, you can notify who needs to be notified. Uh, and they do uh, check-ins like we were talking about for cron jobs and they do uptime checks and all sorts of other things. That's um, right. All sorts of things can go wrong, right? Like uh, your cloud service provider can fail. Uh, AWS could go down and you just don't know. Um, your job could just stop running because you That's, forgot to include something. It's a huge one that like jobs yeah. and anything in the scheduler for me, uh, I'm a little bit gun shy with it usually mm-hmm. because there's that still small part of me that, that it's a disconnect, you know? Yep. And like I need to, when you're when a user is requesting a page, I know that PHP is going to run. But when I put something yeah. in the scheduler, I don't know that it's going to run. And this is a way of actually knowing. And that is huge because it's it's it's, it's like drawing a line. It's filling in a gap there and gaps make me nervous. And so it's yeah. it it empowers you to use jobs and um yeah, schedule jobs inside inside Laravel. Hugely hugely important. 
so uh real time real time follow up the uh the app that we were talking about earlier that I was working on uh has a job that so we we generate the first year's policy in real time uh we synchronously generate it and then we dispatch jobs to generate the next 9 years of policy plans uh for all of the users so there's a bunch of stripe calls back and forth so it's slow so we were like, well, we only need the first year because they're signing up now, and then we can just generate the rest later. In the process of getting uh, everyone rolled over to the second year, we discovered that at some point that job had stopped running. Mm. Uh, and there were a bunch of users who just didn't have years two through ten uh, generated, uh, which wasn't a problem because they didn't need them yet. But if we had had Honey Badger, we would have known that that job had stopped running. Yep, nice. And uh, we would not have been in that situation. So yeah, uh, honeybadger.io. Go check them out. Uh, you'll you'll need them. They handle not just uh, Laravel apps. They have uh, Rails. They have JavaScript. They're even doing Elixir. And so, you, if you have a Phoenix app that you're working on, you're hey trying yo. to learn Phoenix. You can you can run Honey Badger on your Phoenix app. Also, I checked out their blog, and yeah. the blog is legit. Add this to your list of blogs. So I think we talked about it here at some point that um, like I found a key to the kingdom is. Find big tech companies and read their tech blogs. Not necessarily mm-hmm. big tech companies, mm-hmm. just tech companies that like, you know, any company you've ever worked at wants you to blog, you know, mm-hmm. like it's always like, oh, we, re- you know, or, oh, and if you have time this Friday, you know, oh, do a write up on that. Oh, you should do a write up mm-hmm. on that. Oh, I definitely should. Mm-hmm. And then it rarely happens. Some companies are really good about it and publishing, you know, things about the technical hurdles they're experiencing. And my favorite thing about it is it's real. Like you're getting real, a real window into a real product. Anyway, Honey Badger has a blog and it's totally legit. It's really good. And I started looking through it and okay, check this out. Going deep on UUIDs and ULIDs. Chance conversation. They dig into UIDs and their upstart cousin ULIDs. I don't even know what they are. Um, So the list goes on. I also saw this title of a blog post. Um, How we migrated to turbo links without breaking JavaScript. And... So that's like right up your alley. That's your whole alley. I know. And this was on July 17th, not that long ago. Um, and they do this huge write up about like how they like the headings are like the days of PJAX moving to Turbolinks. Turbolinks is an SPA, an approach to JS that works. Like, so I started skimming it. And this is super duper valuable type stuff. I believe it's a Rails app. Um, mm-hmm. So, so basically anything you read is going to be applicable to you if you can stomach Ruby code, which is arguably more beautiful objectively more beautiful than php but if you can uh if you can grok ruby code you can get a ton um from this blog even if you can't there's a lot there so anyway it's just one thing that i saw and was like this is really nice like i believe honey badger is awesome because it's just like a small company small group of devs working on it like good support from those devs simple app rails app turbolinks app like it's perfect so awesome so yeah, thank you to Honey Badger, HoneyBadger.io. Go check them out. Our podcast is also brought to you by a Backblaze. Backblaze. Caleb, you use Backblaze? Of course, I use Backblaze. I also use Backblaze. You know what else? Everyone I know uses Backblaze. It's true. Backblaze is amazing. If you are like the the four lonely people who use computers professionally and don't use Backblaze, just go sign up for Backblaze Get today. Get on it. Here's what Backblaze does. It backs up your computer. Bam. 
blazing fast. Whoa. I'm going to give them that. They're going to have to run with it. Um, they back up your documents, music, photos, videos, drawings, projects, etc. in their words. Um, and you can you can do it sort of either way. You can set it. You can schedule it for a time. You can just have it kind of run. You can do it either way. I have mine scheduled for like 4.30 in the morning. Uh, nice. And it just runs and updates my computer and I don't think about it. Um, but they have all of these super cool restore options, which are amazing. Like, say, for example, right? I'm in New York for Laracon, right? Uh, I, say I'm Caleb Porzio. I'm in New York for Laracon. I'm about to, like, give my talk, right? And uh, I drop my laptop between the slot in the, in the subway, and it gets crushed under the, <laughs> under the wheels of a train. That story right? gives me the shivers. Right. Now I'm about to give my talk uh, tomorrow, right? And I had all those slides and all those notes. Uh, I can go buy a laptop at the store and just use Backblaze to go grab that file. And, uh, and then now I can give my presentation. But then I get home later on and I say, oh, what about all the other stuff that was on my computer? That's hundreds of gigs. Am I going to sit here and download all of that on my mediocre Buffalo, New York internet connection? I don't think so. Uh, so what you can do with Backblaze is you can restore by mail. So while you're in New York City, you could order a hard drive from Backblaze and have a hard drive with all of your data on it shipped to your home Sick. to meet you when you get there. And nice. then you pull all of your data off of it. And if you're done, you just send the hard drive back and you get a full refund on the hard drive. No or way. Or if you want an extra hard drive, you just have a hard drive now and you pay them for it. That is dope. Is that not sick? That is legit. Yeah. So anyway, why are you... I know I know you. You're a smart programmer person. You're like me, right? You're like, I'm going to roll my own backup. I'm going to use S3. I'm going to do some sort of crazy scenario. Guess what? Your jobs are going to fail too. Your jobs <laughs> are going to fail. And your stuff's not going to be backed up. You're not going to know for eight months. You're going to forget about something. Just use Backblaze. It's super cheap. $6 a month is literally nothing. Pay for Backblaze. Uh, do it and go ahead well i was just gonna tell them where to go (laughs) if you are the people who don't have the backblaze account go to backblaze.com forward slash nptm for no plans to merge b-a-c-k-b-l-a-z-e.com slash nptm and they will know that we sent you and then they'll probably keep sponsoring the show which will give us money so do that backblaze.com slash nptm NPTM. Too easy. Um, there was a time that I had a Drobo in my office humming along uh, with yeah. like RAID redundancy, hard drives, mm-hmm. 20 gig terabytes mm-hmm. or whatever. Humming along in the corner. This thing cost like oh, it's so much money. The whole thing cost yeah. so much money yeah. um, to like get set up. And yeah. It was super slow, so I went with the network one because I thought, oh, I'd, you know, the USB one, I'd be tethered to that. I'll go with the network one. So slow. And then it would fail. And honestly, like, I, I, it's sitting somewhere in my house because it's just it's just a brick. Uh, Backblaze wow. is totally legit. Backblaze is the one password of password managers or of, like, backup solutions. Like, it was just yeah. LastPass. It's all right. It does the job, but hated it. Like, the experience was just no fun. Then I switched to one password. We should get 1Password to sponsor the show. And I love 1Password. I'm an evangelist about 1Password. Same exact thing with Backblaze. So it's super fun to have a sponsor of somebody that I 
you know, that we actually use and love and totally recommend. Mm -hmm. My wife, Hannah, uses Backblaze. And three days ago, her computer's getting all wacky. And and she, like, you know, brought it to me. And uh, I I realized starting the story that it should end with me saying, we just hit the backup, the restore button, and everything was fine. Um, Let's just pretend it ended that way because the actual story is not as fun. But we had to, like change some stuff and it was just a pleasure working with so she loves it i love it awesome you love it yeah backplace.com slash npgm okay boom thank you sponsors it's a long sponsor break but let's get into let's get back into it let's do it so d cole what's up bud live or fiddle i just got to run through a couple of fun things hit me dude so here's one fun thing errors so you're fiddling with a live wire component. You edit some PHP and you get a whoops page in the target. So I'm going to call the target the iframe, right? Sure. The, you're going to call the iframe the target. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you get a whoops page, right? Yep. That whoops page gives you all this information about the system. So when I deploy this yes. and have it in public, I'm going to set debug to false, app debug to false. Right. But now when there's an error in your fiddle, you get that 500 or 404 page well 500 page right 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 super unhelpful not helpful at all not helpful at all and i just it's one of those things that when you're like building something you don't you're not thinking you think like oh yeah that would be kind of an issue but whatever i'm still moving forward and you don't really think about it much and then i sent it to renink and he he was you know he's like oh cool you know whatever He's like, yeah, but if something goes wrong, I actually don't know where it went wrong. And that's really frustrating. Mm. Um, so the long story short is I made, I like wrapped the exception handler of the target mm-hmm. to render its own error view that mm-hmm. renders just the message of the error without any file details or system details. Interesting. Which is kind of cool. Like it's, that yeah. was the minimum, like, this is a nice way to still have mm-hmm. errors, but not mm-hmm. expose the server to all the stuff. Sure. Right? But I, just, I kicked it up a notch. So I was displaying the line number and then the file. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I have the line number and the files are already rendered on the page. Like you're editing them in these like text boxes. So are you highlighting them? Yeah. So how would I highlight them? In the rendered... So I hijack in the handler of the target... I get the error, I render a view, like a blade view that shows the error message and then has a little bit of JavaScript that runs and communicates to the parent of the iframe and does a post message because iframes can talk to their parents and vice versa yep. Yeah, yep. with post messaging. So it does a post message and says, hey, there's an error in this file on this line. And then the parent listens for that error and I use uh, Code Mirror, which basically is like a JS plugin to make a code editor. And then Code Mirror highlights the line in red that is where your error is. The source of the error. Which is like sicker than Code Pen. That's very cool. Is that not sick? Yeah, that's really sick. Like in Code Pen, when something goes wrong, well, now there's a console in it, but it's frustrating. Like it's like any JS fiddle or anything like that. You're opening up your dev tools and you're looking in the console. Yep. And it's confusing. And it doesn't highlight your JavaScript for you. This literally, if you break something in Livewire, it will highlight the line that went wrong. That's so cool. Yeah, it is cool. <sighs> so anyway, maybe an interesting thing to talk about is I'm writing Livewire Fiddle with Livewire. Uh-huh. And I'm writing it in Node.js. Um, that's not true. 
I'm writing it Node.js framework. <laughs> uh-huh. So there are tons of like bare on-click handlers, inline styles, script tags littered around, style tags littered around, zero JavaScript just framework. It. Just doing it. And I am loving it. I'm having more I fun. I bet you are. I bet you are. I'm loving it. That sounds super fun. Um, tell me about recent LiveWire changes, though, because it sounds like some stuff is popping off. Yeah. So, all right. The first thing is um, basically anything, any feature that I add to LiveWire that mm-hmm. adds useful functionality but doesn't require a full round trip to the server mm-hmm. is a huge win for me. Right? Cool. And for everyone. Yep. Like, those are the things yep. I'm really interested in. Sure. So this is one of those Give an features. example, please. You have an input box that, and this, this is the one that Mark came up with. It's super awesome, but just so you know, this isn't the Who's one Who's this that, Mark guy? Tell me about this Mark person. I don't know this person. Um, it's a code name. Oh, okay. For a guy. That's why I don't know him. Who I work with, sort of. And gotcha. we work on an app together. And uh, <laughs> this is me, like, all right, then. wondering, like, Mark wouldn't care at all he would be pumped that like we're talking about him on the podcast because he listens so he's listening to this right Uh now but you know i don't have things in contracts but um yeah mark's a good guy and he needed this for an app that he's working on that basically um he has forms that are auto saving forms Mm -hmm. and uh so there's no save button on these forms and when you edit them he wants to display to the user that a dirty state like you're editing this form sure it's highlighted in red because it's not sent an Ajax request and persisted yet. Yes. Right. But then when you tab away from that element, it'll persist it and it'll have a little green border. Sure. Makes sense. So basically LiveWire now does this and LiveWire keep, because LiveWire knows state in JavaScript, you can have an input element that's wiremodel.lazy so that with LiveWire you're typing in and it's not sending to the server, but when you, blur that input element or move away from it it will send a request to the server sure but now there's a little wire dirty directive where you can add classes to anything you want when when dirty when it's dirty and the cool thing is so if you're in an input element you can type if it says hey and it's all synced between the back end and the front end if you type there it'll turn red if you you know add the the border red class or whatever right sure it'll turn red and then if you click off, it'll right turn green if you set it that way after you know it persists. But the cool thing is uh-huh. you say, hey, there, and the original was hey. You can backspace back to hey, and it will know that that's its original state and be under. And then not send. And it doesn't send, send any requests. requests. Yeah. That's hot. That's hot. Which is cool. Yeah. So this one I like because it's zero, zero round trips for a cool feature that, you know, it's so- making... Are you handling like the weird race condition? What's, like, what's that? Where, okay, so say I, it's hey, I type there, right? Yeah. Um. Oh, but it doesn't, it doesn't send until blur. It doesn't send, yeah, if it's wire model. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha, right? gotcha, gotcha. But let's say that it does. Tell me the race condition. Okay, so say it was a thing where it's like, if you haven't sent a keystroke in two seconds, we'll send. Yeah, right. Right. Um. And then say it sends, and then I start backspacing, and then I get back to the clean state. Uh, it just resolves with whatever came back from the server, right? It will resolve with whatever came back from the server, yeah. Gotcha. Right. I think You're right that there might thing. be some blip if you do that. I'd have to test that out. 
Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, so that one's cool. Um, so he needed this, and he built it for himself, and then he PR'd it, and we hacked on a little bit, and now it's in the code base. So thank you, Mark, for contributing that. Huge, huge awesomeness. There you go, users. You can go figure out who Mark is by seeing who's on that PR. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I'm allowed to just shout out that, like, yeah, Mark did a great job. Thank you for being an open source contributor. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so here's the big one that I think is mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. Yep. So I'm sitting with Max last night. Uh-huh. Yesterday. We're chilling at the computer. Codename Max. Codename Max. And... <laughs> For some reason, I'm showing him some weird, vague idea, some vision I have for Livewire. Sure. And he's like, dude, I want to be able to. So picture the counter example, the classic Hello World of the Livewire. The classic Hello like World this. counter example. Counter example. Um, counter as in like numbers, like plus and minus. And uh, so he's he says, dude, oh, there's got to be a way that you can do that without a server request. And I'm like, dude there's no way because the only so i'm like here's what you could do and i thought that this is what he was kind of getting at i'm like you could i could build some api that like on click looks at the data that job that livewire javascript has and you could like access it and you could increment the number by one instantly while there's a request happening in the back end so you could sort of create an optimistic ui but you would have mm-hmm. to right. So he basically he's after how do we get optimistic UIs in Livewire, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so this is a quick Which background. Which is a great on, question. You, explain pessimistic and optimistic UIs to the listener. Uh, so essentially, uh, you can either assume that things will go right or assume that things will go wrong, right? So when I send a request to a server anything could go right or wrong, right? I could get back the thing that I hope I get or that I should get or I cannot, right? And so an optimistic UI basically does the change on the front end that it assumes is the right thing to do. Uh, and then if there's a problem, it rolls that back. Versus a pessimistic UI is like, let's just assume everything's going to go wrong and wait until we have confirmation of goodness before we do something. So Amazon uh, is like a really interesting example of some of this. Uh, it's more like Actually, I don't know is the perfect example of this, but one of the things that they do is uh, based on like your mouse movements, they track your mouse movements on the page. And uh, based on your mouse movements, they will like preload the next page that they think that you're going to visit. Um, and so it's this thing where like, yeah, it could turn out that like the thing that you just did wasn't like the thing that you just indicated you were probably going to do wasn't the thing that you wanted to do. Um but they're they're basically like let's just assume that like eighty twenty rule eighty percent of the time people are gonna do the thing that we think they're gonna do yeah. and like we'll we'll make the server requests that we have to make to like to do the thing for the user so it's kind of the inverse of that where like your thing is like we're making a server request we're gonna assume that it's gonna increment by one because that's what it's supposed to do right um, but if it doesn't I assume you roll it back somehow. right yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm sort of like expl- that's perfect explanation. Um, I'm like, yeah. So if you want to do that, Max, this is how you would do it. Mm-hmm. And and I'm running, and he's not satisfied. And it's one of those moments where like we're like secretly. I get what he wa- what's that? I get what he's saying though. You get what he's saying. What he's saying is he wants to be able to make components that are not 
that are front end components with Livewire. Maybe. I don't think even that's what he was saying. So he's pushing me on this, but he's not verbalizing it well. So I'm like pushing him that like he's wrong. And yep. And that's the right thing to do. It is exactly. So, but he like stands strong and resists. And then we unlock the keys to the universe. So basically what we have now is wire prefetch or wire. So we have wire colon click increment on the counter example, right? And when you click, sure. wire click, listens for the click, sends an AJAX request, renders the page with the new state, passes the yep. DOM back, does the DOM diffing and updates. So if there's a yep. thousand millisecond lag on your server, when you click that plus button, you're going to wait a second until you see it turn to two. Correct. Right. So what we have now is wire click dot prefetch equals increment. And when you hover over the plus button, it makes the request in the background and keeps that response cached and ready for you. Oh, so you are actually doing the Amazon thing. Exactly. So That's cool. when you click, it's instant. If you don't yep. click, it just never gets used. If you click on something else, it wipes out that previous state. Because LiveWire is totally stateless, because I mm-hmm. went with the Ajax stateless route, all of these things are possible now. Things like this. Mm-hmm. So, I, wrote, I mean, we, we wrote it right there, and we made it work. And then this morning, I refactored it into something that I would feel comfortable merging into the framework. And so probably tomorrow, there's going to be wire click dot prefetch. So now... That's so cool. I've been like gun shy on modals for with LiveWire because I hate the idea of having to wait even a hundred milliseconds for a modal to show up yep. or a drop down. Those are the types of things that I feel like are just better with JavaScript. Sure. But this is the kind of thing where if you're hovering over the X button, so I did a, a fast I tried to click as fast as I could to hover over something and click as fast as I could. And I logged my time at like two hundred and fifty milliseconds. Like that's mm-hmm. I think the the lowest amount of time people will reasonably hover over something before clicking it and that's a slow network request like that's i'm gonna push you in the direction of insanity and you need to tell me when i've gotten too far do it hit me why not uh add another thing right so you've got prefetch which is like only when hovering right yeah um Add more triggers, not just hovering, right? Okay. But perhaps wire colon prefetch colon on load, which on loading the component then makes a secondary request that gets, let's say, the loading state of a modal and fetches that blade right interesting and then on click goes and fetches the contents of the modal but we'll display the modal and then now we're just waiting for the contents to come back you know what i'm saying like you could do something like that where you have different life cycle hooks and like you could do different levels of fetching at different life cycle hooks yeah we need to talk about this more because like some of the things i thought about are like what if Everything has, every action has a prefetch just locked and loaded. Like every wire click has its own prefetched thing sitting there. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. anything you click will react instantaneously. And then after you do that, all the actions re-prefetch, you know? Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. But so 
So that I don't think is good because of side effects, right? You need it needs to be ex- explicit because if there are side effects in your action, you don't R- want that to be exactly unapparent to the developer. You're a smart boy, D. Cole. I am. You're a very um, smart boy. Yeah. I've, so explain to me. So the hang up with this, I think, but I want you to give mm-hmm. me a, like the smallest concrete example you can, so we can talk it talk it out. But sure. the issue is that these prefetches freeze a state. Of, of your mm-hmm. whole system. Mm-hmm. The DOM that comes back is the DOM of the whole component. Mm-hmm. Okay, so give me an example that's small and concrete that I can wrap my head around that I can see if it would work or not, with like the modal loader. Sure. Okay, so... Uh, or can you do it with the counter? Like, can you apply this to the... The counter, counter is such a... No, the counter is too simple. Okay. Um, it would have to be a more complex thing. So let's say it's... Uh, let's say it's the okay here let's just use the amazon thing right so what amazon does is when you click the add to cart button when they think you're going to click the add to cart button yeah they start prefetching all of the related products nice right so that when you get to the cart they're already selling you new products and it was very fast and you're more likely to buy things cool right um so imagine a situation where like there's a button i'm going to click and that button is going to open a modal yeah. Right. Um, now I can't know the contents of the modal until I've clicked the button because I might have changed something in the state. Okay. Right. Yeah. That was going to generate the contents, but there is a piece of state called modal open one or two. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, He's saying and on the component there would be a public property called modal open. Right. Exactly. Or uh, modal is open or whatever. Or is modal open? Um, who can say? Or has uh, an open modal? Has modal been opened? Or um, modal is visible. Uh-huh. Um, or show and modal. so show modal. I had that to add it because that's the one that everyone would use. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so say that's false right now and then say like the modal contents property is null right now. Right? Yes. Um. There's no reason that I can't pre-render the view of what the page looks like with modal null, right? Okay. And have that so that when I click the button, it shows me the modal null and then clicks off and then sends off the request to get the contents of the modal. Because the reason that ha- not that using modals is bad UX if you have to wait for the server is that you're not sure that it worked or you're not sure that anything's coming right but you could just fire off the modal with a wire loading and have the thing right? so why don't you just fetch the whole thing like why don't you just do normal prefetch where like we just fetch the state with the modal open and it's just ready so that when you click show modal it just shows i'm that's what i'm saying but not on hover earlier than that Right, but the same mechanism, but instead of on hover... Same mechanism, but you could have different handlers for different hooks, right? So the hover hook might be, go get the content, right? Right. But the on load hook might be, get just get the HTML, right? And so then your diff could... I don't know if that's actually important, because you're getting all of the HTML, so it still doesn't matter. Does you I I am having a hard time. Is what you're proposing possible 
if every prefetch is a full live wire slice of the state. So anytime you execute the prefetch, meaning you load it, you mm-hmm. are reverting the entire state and HTML and everything to that. Yeah, point no, in time. it doesn't. So I was thinking of I was thinking in a different way. Because um, that I, would be I was hard. thinking about the contents of the modal only being the only thing that got swapped out, but that's not actually what would happen. Right. That that the problem with more advanced prefetching is that LiveWire mm-hmm. doesn't have any concept of reloading parts of a component. Right, right, right. And eventually, like Phoenix LiveView has some crazy stuff. I don't think it has that either, but Phoenix LiveView does have a mechanism where like if you update a piece of data, it will only re-render the parts of the DOM that related to that data. Like, right, right. It's kind of like Svelte in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, okay. LiveWire so will I'm just take a DOM something. diff and change everything to what the new DOM is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what? Yeah, that doesn't matter. But okay, but even just prefetching right. the modal, you know, my my mechanism yeah. is that anytime there's any other state change made, I wipe out the prefetches. So it's simple, mm-hmm. like it just can't go wrong because anytime mm-hmm. something changes, it's just wiped out. You know, so interesting. But yeah, it would be cool to have more triggers for it than just hovering on things. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's true. Um, yeah, maybe there's like, like prefetch like for load. example, like. S- Say you had a say you had like a YouTube clone, right? And it was like a video. Yeah. Uh, you could have something where, uh, as you're nearing the end of the video, it starts prefetching the page for the next video, stuff like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. Um, like, there's all sorts of other triggers. Like if you could define your own triggers, that'd be cool. So what if there was like in my click example, if it was wire prefetch, wire prefetch. So here, here's an example. I hover over the plus button. The prefetch happens in the background. I click the plus button. No network request happens. It instantly swaps the number one with the number two, but I'm still hovered over the plus. So I don't have a new mouse over event that happens. Mouse enter. Right. So when I click again, it's going to do a full server round trip. Mm -hmm. So if there was some mechanism that I could set that's like, always keep this action prefetched, meaning that anytime anything happens in the component, after that component changes, it will re-prefetch and keep it locked and loaded. So it would be sort of expensive because it would be adding a network request. It would be doubling your network requests. (laughs) Here's here's the thing I'm interested in, right? Is like... Wait, Wait, you know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. And that would be cool, right? That would be cool. Um, what if, let's stick with the counter example because it's small and yeah, this could obviously get, get out of time. hand. Yeah. Right? But imagine that I load the counter, right? And then I instantly load the results of pressing the plus button and the results of pressing the minus button. Yep. And then on, so I, res, I load every possible yeah every action scenario. is preloaded yep every action preloaded uh now obviously you build a big website you start getting crazy pretty quick yep but you could start building things into livewire where you're bundling those things <laughs> right oh my. right like a network request returns all of the prefetches 
Right. And just keeps them cued. And just sends you like a big old bundle of like every possible version of your website. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And then when you perform any action, it performs instantly because it fetches it out of JavaScript and then it loads another big bundle. Correct. Holy freaking flips, decal. Freaking flips, dude. Imagine this. Bundles on bundles. Imagine this. This it would is, have to be super optional, super opt-in. Super optional. Super duper <laughs> opt-in. And the user would have to know hardcore that... That it was happening. That if you have any side effects, if an action yeah. performs any side effects, there has to be a wire prevent prefetch or something. Or, or ooh, 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 ooh. So this is what you do. You do... Um, Dude. You just do wire. Oh, here's what you do. Here's what, here's what it's called. Wire colon hardcore. And you can put it on anything. And anything with wire hardcore on it. Will just always prefetch itself? Will always prefetch itself. Every request that is ever made will include a prefetch of that thing. Right. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Wire hardcore. Dude, this is nuts. This is this nuts. is super nutty. That is the next level, dude. That's like some real, real nutty stuff. That is like, come on, right? Like, who's pushing this paradigm this far? This is far. <laughs> Me and you, baby. That's right, dude. Dude, oh that's hardcore. Gosh. That's like, that's like, uh, like chainsaw ice sculpture, hardcore. Seriously. You know? Oh, yeah. man. Dude, I want to hack on that just to make a prototype. I think you should. I, I mean, I could implement that in an hour. Yeah, I seconds. I don't Six. know, though. The bundles thing could oh. be really complicated. Nope. Easy. Nope, not <laughs> easy. Comp- easy, hard, easy, not hard. That's right. Honestly, could do it. Oh, my gosh. Is there a way that you could architect Livewire components? Uh Oh, boy. Caleb, 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 <laughs> database transactions, database transactions. Okay. Oh, right. Mitch was, oh, I just revealed Max's name. <laughs> it's all over. <laughs> database transactions. Max was like, immediately after this, he's like, we got to figure out database transactions. He's like, dude, I know there's a way. He was thinking of there's a way. artisan migrate pretend that does this. And so he's like looking into it like, dude, we should have. That's what you do. Caleb, because then it, then it's not dangerous. Then the side effects don't matter. So I already know if it's a from hook state, like in the back end. I already have that knowledge. If it's a sorry, I said from hook because that's the name of the variable. No, it's from whatever from prefetch. That's what it's called. I mm-hmm. know if a request is from prefetch. So in the liveware code, I could wrap before you execute the liveware component. I could start a database transaction if it's prefetch, and then just not end the database transaction until you have blade, and then you end. Then you save the blade and the database transaction. How do you right? Problem is you have to perform. You you would have to do the database transaction and roll it back instantly, and somehow re-execute it. Right? Like you have yeah, to somehow You would pretend. have to run it again later when it wasn't a prefetch. What's that? You would have to run it again later when it wasn't a prefetch. Right, but no, if it's if it's a prefetch, it happens. 
you know right it hap but do you get what here let's okay counter example right yeah so there's a field yeah. in the database yeah that is one yeah right yeah yep perfect so i get the prefetch request yeah to make it two yeah right mm-hmm. in a database transaction it gets turned to two yep. the blade gets rendered yep with it being two right and that blade gets returned to the front end as like a potential result of an action yep right yep then on click of the plus button we swap out the blade <laughs> with with the blade that we have stored yeah and then send the message then that said send the message that says go do go update the back end because we know what's going to happen because we've already done it we would say Ooh, is that how database transactions work you commit them or roll them back yeah you either commit them or roll them back interesting so you can just have transaction transactions just chilling yes oh, well no, 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 no i don't know but let's say for this sake you do yeah well, no, I wasn't even talking about just committing it. I was saying the database transaction would be rolled back after the blade was gotcha. cached, right? And then you would make a separate request to redo everything that you had just done. Right. But the idea that you could have a, blade, a database transaction that was just open is very interesting. Uh, but I don't <laughs> think that that's how that works. <laughs> Dude, honestly, your solution is great, though. You could, you could do it. Run the action. Because that's what is like the, the blade, most optimistic UI way to do it. Roll it back. Roll it back. Uh-huh. Then execute the thing. See the view. Then execute the next prefetch for everything else. And in that prefetch, you tell it what action it actually which, took. Which one actually happened. And then you yeah. just run the action and let the output just vanish into thin air. Yeah. It's Dude, this is so crazy because... you're getting a step ahead. Like, think about it. If, let's say that you're component a step ahead. emits... If that component emits an event that like you have you're listening for in the front end with JavaScript, you know, mm-hmm. then I then my first thought was like, well, if you just if you just run the whole component to perform the action for real and then just throw it away, what happens if it wants to tell the front end to do something? Well, it mm-hmm. already did, and it already happened on the front end. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. So the only thing that you you still have to worry about side effects that are outside of your app, yeah. right? So if you call Stripe... Like time stamps and stuff. Yeah, or just a Stripe API call or something. Yeah. Right? Like you don't want to be making the same Stripe API call For multiple sure. times. But you could have... You could even have a helper that's like... That says it's like like wire side effect or something. It's just a helper method and it returns a closure... And you just wrap that around all of the stuff that side effects, and it basically says only do this if this is a real commit, not a not a prefetch. You know? Yeah. I don't know, man. This seems hot to me. There's some cool stuff. Any of the transaction stuff, like, and the, I I guess my my reaction to you is the same as it was to Max, which is like, mm-hmm. this could be crazy. You're right, and I love that you're freaking out about it, and it's worthy of being freaked out about, but. I can't imagine a world (laughs) that I would put that in there 
but I mean, it's possible. But I, so I think just simply the hard wire hardcore that prefetches everything mm-hmm. and just tells the user like, Hey man, if you have any side effects, you have to prevent them. You have a hook or you have a, a, a method in your PHP for your live wire component that says, if this is prefetch, mm-hmm. then don't do stuff, you know, then yeah, prevent those side effects saying, from yeah. happening. Right. Yeah, exactly. I know. I'm just saying that this would like that I could, I would be comfortable implementing, you know? Yeah. Just like take the take the training wheels off. Yeah, put the onus on Go to the space. developer. Yeah, I don't want to. All right, kid, have to Go be to space. Here's your helmet. Yeah, exactly. But dude, honestly, that paradigm wire hardcore mode could be. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. What, okay, hardcore doesn't have anything to do with electricity. What's like a high voltage mode? High voltage. Um, Shocking. Yeah, shocking. Shocking, right. I would want something that's ridiculous, like electrocute or like fry or explode. Uh Fried. Fried. Wire fried mode. Wire fried mode. Wire, yeah, supercharged high voltage. Like all those things, the supercharged high voltage seems like dumb, like branding names for. Overdone. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Looking for something like burnt out, like, uh,. Hmm. What what do you call like a like an uninsulated wire? Are there words for that? I don't know. Like raw, um, right? Um, bare metal. No, I don't know. Oof. Bare metal is cool, but it it doesn't correlate really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wire it could be like something to do with the future like wire you need to get an illustration of the squid sticking a tentacle in an electrical socket <laughs> for this for Dude, the docs page perfect. for this <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh dude that is seriously legit that whole concept wire fried mode yeah oh my dude, gosh. fried this is i i have to do uh caleb's um um what's the word caleb's pondering corner or something where i like take something we just did and talk about it <laughs> talk yeah, about yeah, the yeah. process and its significance but for real like how ideas how ideas turn like here's the book i'm gonna write when all is said and done it's gonna be called mm-hmm. how to there's gonna be something to make this funny and that i don't take myself this seriously but the start of it is mm-hmm. how to build an empire from mm-hmm. like like the difference between building an empire and and like a tiny little hackathon that goes nowhere is mm-hmm. like I started this with a little proof of concept and there's a very real universe that exists where it died in two weeks because I open sourced it and played around with it yep. and lost interest and this and that's it or there's a world where you just keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing mm-hmm. it and the key ingredient is believing in yourself Thinking bigger, dude. I feel like a freaking promotional book or self-help oh, you're the book. Guy. For Go real for though, it. it is think bigger. Like I kept having to like I was thinking too small, and I I fortunately have people in my life that are like, dude, think, think big bigger, on dude. No, not weeks, months, not months, years. Like you know, like years, bro. Think think bigger and confidence instead of like, oh man, live wire. But everything you do takes an AJAX request, so yeah. you know, and you can't use view in it. Like, just push through it. Find a way to use yeah, view. Screw it. Have to use HX Cross for everything? Push through it. Do some crazy wire-fried future-telling stuff, you know? Wire-fried future-telling. Oh, my gosh. Dude, future-telling. 
Future- I don't even think about this as like divination, but it is kind of divination. It is. It totally is. Wire divination. Yeah. Wire crystal. Wire. Hmm. But that's the thing, man. And that's why I'm addicted to this because no estimates. That's right. Crystal ball. He showed me a sticker of no estimates. Um, this is it. I'm addicted to it. Like my entire week. Think of this. Like think of all this stuff and then think of the like serverless stuff and the iframe communication and the list of stuff is just insane. Every day I'm just like diving in to addicting problems that fill me with joy every day. That's awesome. Oh, that man. is excellent. So my big plan is yeah. so Livewire Fiddles, another example. I needed a little way for people to fiddle with Livewire and send me stuff to to like recreate uh, yep. issues in GitHub. Yep. Started building it, thought, you know, I don't want to just have these everywhere and I have to keep them alive forever. Like you said, like people have links to them on their blogs and stuff. So, so I started, I made a little login system. You log in with GitHub and then you can save fiddles um, and you can name them, whatever. And then I'm like, all right, so I'm putting a lot into this and this is an app I'm going to have to maintain. What if I had a pro plan? What if I, if I like, oh, where you can actually keep them alive. Yeah. Like you can't keep them alive until you pay or you can only keep one alive or something like that. Um, and, and then I'm like, so this fits in with my live wire casts. Like I was kind of in the fork in the road. Like, do I make when a live wire is good enough in my mind when it's like settled, do I make oh, a this is so course smart. or do I make like a subscription? So now I'm like, I'm going to make, you're going to have this like Livewire Pro, but not call it Pro, call it like legit or something like Livewire uh-huh. legit where you get like access to saving fiddles and you can share them. A, an artisan command that can download fiddles to your local install. You can just say like artisan mm, you give it the, fiddle get. The, maybe the ULID or the you UUID. The U-U-L-D or whatever. Whatever the slug. Yep. Yeah. Or maybe in the app you say like, download and it gives you a an artisan command that you just paste in or something yeah. even smarter who knows that something it runs something on your mac who yeah who knows and it just like downloads it and then there's like a wire fiddle if you get the pro plan you can access like all the saved you can fiddles. Create a fiddle from your local too sure you just have like dude that is sick that's cool oh deagle create fiddle from but it's lo- all contingent on being logged in it's all contingent on you being a subscriber to the pro plan and you get access to live work. I can't wait to give you my money, which is like a repository of how to build every UI component. The best way in Livewire, screencasts, source code, everything. There's a forum that you get access to if you're a pro member and you can just like hop on, help each other, whatever. And not only that, you should actually give them the components at the end. What do you mean? Oh, at the end of the, like the components that you're going to build all these cool components. Right. right and just like, have them. <gasps> and just that have they're not, them. I'm not just posting GitHub gists. I'm saying like, right. Here you're saying is. like, not only do you get this component, you also get to learn how to use Livewire well enough to have this component. And also you get access to all of this Livewire fiddle pro nonsense. Right. Here's the fiddle. There you go. Yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. So good. This is the dream, man. This is like my big dream. I like it, dude. I'm really happy for you. This is a good idea. Thanks, Decole. But this yeah, is dude. all stuff that like is only coming to me now after six months of like think at first. I'm like, how am I going to monetize this thing? Oh, well, I'll sell stickers and I'll have people, you know, that's my best bet. Oh, I'll, I'll make a little course, a little ebook, you know, and I don't know, man. That's so cool. Yeah. So you could be there in no time. 
Hempel messaged me one time. I hope he's yeah, all right with me sharing say? this. He said, he's like, just out of the blue. This is so, this is characteristic of him. <laughs> out of the blue, he's like, Porzio, comma. It's like, are you going to just keep doing this like hippie liveware thing? Or are you going to build an empire? Something like that. <laughs> yeah. He said, he said, yeah, are you going to keep hippie coding? Or are you going to build a liveware empire? I think he said, what's your, what's your end game? Or what's your long game or whatever? And that's it. And then I, you know, I saw it like a day later. I replied like, oh, well, actually, blah, 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 something. Mm-hmm. Over, yeah. And then he never replied to it, even to this day. And we've talked a bunch since. And I'm now realizing that he never responded to my response. Mm-hmm. But I, it's another like brick in the wall of like sage, all all. like whispers yeah. in my ear. Like, like God wrote that message, not David. He was just, David he was probably just holding even remember the pen. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a trance. Like, Caleb what's your end game are you a hippie or are you building an empire totally so build an empire hey do you ever do the thing are you ever asked for advice are you a person who's asked for advice (laughs) where i would just in 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 life oh uh when i'm lucky enough that people ask you for advice oh come on now Yes, people ask. When you I'm much, lucky right? enough to be thought of, is generally <laughs> oh, oh, oh shit! Why, why thank you for doing me the kindness. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> um, so yeah, people ask you for advice. I assume your your friends Max and Mark, you know, they come a call in and they say, you know, I'm dealing with the situation in my life. You talking like code advice or life advice? advice? No, life advice. Yeah, yep, yeah. I yeah. I I do generally dole out some advice. Do you have a process that you go through before answering a life advice question? Because I do. Oh, probably not well thought out. You know what I do? What do you do? Here's what it is. You get a phone call. Okay. Someone says, hey, I'm, this is my buddy Garrett. I'm doing here. Hey, man, I'm thinking about asking Catherine to marry me. I'm like, <laughs> all right, then. Let me step out onto my back patio. All right. I step outside. It's nighttime. Here's what you do. You look at the stars or the sun or the clouds or whatever. You look at the sky and you try and take all of your uh, person and the like version of you that has had bad experiences with life and the version of you that's kind of jaded and like gives advice based on like fear or like what Mm, I should have done if I wasn't such a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. Right. And you completely remove that person from the equation Mm. and you look at the sky and then you make something up based on what you think the sky would tell this person right now Mm. and that's my that's my process i do it all the time literally five times a a week that's really good i like on the phone step out and i'm like okay first put to death your ego then allow the sky to answer this person's question i definitely uh i find myself i think i'm generally a controlling person mm-hmm. and anyone close to me knows that i i have like an innate tendency to impose my will on like people's lives sure. um oh sure but i'm hyper aware of it so i've yeah. basically spent my life fighting it <laughs> or sure, working sure. with it um anyway so i i usually recognize that i have some uh bias immediately like even i i i I try i try to find my bias because it will exist so if someone comes to me and says like hey he hey caleb i wanna hey caleb i wanna i'm wondering if i should marry Catherine or whatever her Mm -hmm. name was yep 
And I think, okay, well, I don't actually like hanging out with Catherine that much or she's, sure. you know. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So honestly, like the part would be like, well, yeah, you know, but anyway, so, but I try to immediately recognize those things and, and make sure that it's not informing my advice at all. And if it is, maybe even like advise the other way a little bit to kind of like compensate. To like counteract. Exactly. Um, But the other thing I try to do that's kind of in line with what you're saying is I don't, um, I try to, if left to my own devices, I will empathize too much and I will Mm -hmm. give caveats. So I will say, Mm -hmm. well, you know, like, if, dude, if I, I get it, man. If I'm in your position right now, I mean, I'd be thinking the same thing. And honestly, you could do this. Like, you know, I would tell them what they should do, what I mm-hmm. think they should do. And then I should also tell and them. And then I'll give them the, the counter argument. The counter argument. Because wrong. we are dialectic people. Like, Well, and also because I know that they're going to do one or the other. Yes. And I don't want the embarrassment of having them do the advice I didn't recommend and it go yep. well. But I also don't want the embarrassment of them doing the thing I recommended and it go poorly. <laughs> True. So and it's 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 a very important that I hedge my bet and never give any strong one one way or the other advice. Exactly. I do the same exact thing because I wouldn't I couldn't like in the moment I'm like I wouldn't be able to like stand it if they mm-hmm. did the other thing, know that I advise this thing and then think there's some tension in the air. Yeah. But all this to say that something I've been trying to do is speaking more directly and and not couching everything and caveating everything and c- providing all the counter arguments. Honestly, I waver back and forth thinking if this is the right option or not, but it's sort of along the lines of what you're saying. Like I generally know the right thing in my mind, what I think is the right mm-hmm. thing. And I'm trying to be better at just saying it directly and speaking yeah. with authority because mm-hmm. I, I think people really respond well when somebody speaks with authority. There's something about I it. I agree. That, yeah. Um, and my own, the only like variation on that that I'm doing is that I have like some weird, uh, brain hack that I'm doing where I convince myself that it's not actually me speaking with authority. Mm, It's like the universe speaking through me because they put me in this position to give them advice. So I have to like step out of my like little ego cage and like give them like the, the better advice that is comes from making something up at whole cloth while looking at the sky. You are but, an implementation of the universe class. You're you're an right, instance exactly. of the universe class. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. So it's just like, a static method on the universe. Yeah, like type of is not necessarily universe, but instance of definitely is. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. You can relate <sighs> most things to programming. This is something that Max like adores doing that yeah. like oh, good very yeah. quickly the conversation comes back to like oh so it's like you know and then it's some pattern yeah. or some you know it's really annoying for people who aren't programmers to hang out with me i think <laughs> because i'm like all right i'm gonna make like an analogy but first do you are, are you familiar with the concept of object-oriented programming <laughs> i know <laughs> <laughs> like no so how do i or put like, this all right like okay so there's like a blueprint i'm gonna tell you about house. something called an interface but it's gonna take us a while to <laughs> yeah <that>. right <laughs> oh man object oriented programming is one of the concepts i'm so grateful that i've internalized oh of course just for my own brain how do you even see the world how do you see the world if not through the lens of object orientation yeah exactly i think like everyone else is just kind of wandering around bumping into walls (laughs) you know like everyone who's never like 
extended a class. They're just bouncing off the walls. Seriously. Like so many bumper cars. Oh, man, you know? that's true. But I'm cruising. I'm cruising the track. That's right. On the little go-kart. I built my house on the rock. Mm. Mm. So when the waves come. That's right. Yeehaw. Mm. Mm. That's really good. Yeah, that's a good podcast. Oh, man. Good podcast. Good podcast. Straight up. Uh, yeah. And you know what? Thanks to uh, thanks to Honey Badger and Backblaze for bringing it to you. Thanks, buddies. Thanks, thanks, pals. So I got some work to do with this liveware fiddle stuff. Um, that's that's that. Oh, you can also. Yeah. I have Vim mode now in liveware fiddle, so you can literally like you can change your editor mode to Sublime text, and you get all the Sublime oh, key bindings. Mode. Yeah. I thought you said Venmo. No. I was like, you can what? subscribe with Venmo. <laughs> Yeah, you can subscribe to Livewire Fiddle with Venmo. I was like, already? You haven't even done all the other stuff yet? <laughs> you know what I love so much about the no framework movement that I'm creating for myself? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that that movement that's sweeping the nation. So I have a little uh, a little option, a little drop-down option. Sublime text mode or Vim mode, mm-hmm. yep. right? When you switch that option, what is the code? The code is... A select drop down tag. Select. No V select. I'm using a straight up select tag. It's not even styled. Native select. And I'm owning it. That's hot. In that select tag, I have an on change equals quote quote. And inside of that, I have a little local storage check to see. No, inside of that, I write to local storage and I refresh the editor. And then in the editor init, function or whatever i just read from local storage storage. yeah done deal hot it's hot so like how simple was that and all i'm using native browser apis i'm using native browser apis everywhere like nobody's business yeah that's the thing and like i think everyone could do that except for one problem and one problem only and you should know what that problem is browser support browser compatibility why Dom no good? Oh, why Tom no Dom good? Bad. Why Tom no good? Dom bad. Why, why Dom no why good? Is Dom, what, what's the one example that that you t- showed me and I was like, oh yeah, it's horrible. Why Dom bad? Oh, there's some things. I, I, there's no one example. There's a there's bunch a of whole examples. Thing. Yeah. It's, a, it's like a morass of no good. Yeah. Dom no good. Like, so why Dom no good? Cookies? At first I'm like, well, cookies you good. know what? I, no, cookies bad. Cookies good. Cookies bad. <laughs> cookies good. Cookies like num cookie. num. Mm. <laughs> cookies good local storage good no, local storage good cookies bad local storage api is local storage dot get or local storage dot mm-hmm. set what's cookie what's cookie I not cookie dot get and cookie dot set you get a big <laughs> st- not <laughs> cookie dot jar get big string have to parse sucks bad <laughs> cookie sometimes food local storage all the time local storage <laughs> Teach local storage, eat forever. <laughs> Feed men for life. <laughs> I feel sorry for the people who are like, like, you know, there are people who listen to the show who are non-native English speakers. And yeah. like, it's already a lot of work for them to keep up with what we're saying. I think we're making and it then easier we just, with removing we just go and We just eliminated all the extra words for the sentence. We're removing a... Uh... Yeah, extra words. I said consonants. It's just wrong. Helping verbs. No helping verbs. Conjunctions. Good job, no good. 
Why dumb? No good. Why dumb? No good. <laughs> Dude, okay, here's here's a helper function I want to exist in every app for the front end. Make dom good. Parenthesis, parenthesis. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Helper function. Yep, hit me. I'm going to make the function just a money sign. That's just what it's going to its name's going to be. And yeah. you pass into it a string that is a CSS uh-huh. selector. Uh-huh. And outside of it comes a dom element. Ooh. jQuery yep. anyone? Basically, I want to build jQuery in one line. And that one line will be function money sign equals or let's just say const okay window dot money sign <laughs> okay here's the one line when this is okay. this is create okay. this is okay. Okay. writing j- jobs writing jquery in one line window dot money sign equals function argument string in the function return document dot query selector pass an argument there you go mm-hmm. i just wrote jquery in one line yes that should exist uh, because in all my on click my handlers, first pull requests i think my first pull request would be to specifically detect with regex the id things uh so that you could use document get by id because that's way faster but Psh. that's the only thing you know query selector is you couldn't just give me this decal no i think it's great i think it's good no. I, I think you're good i think you're good no, I think you don't it's good. no you don't you think but i'm Caleb saying no what if good. we wrote what if we wrote jquery in like five lines instead because then we're rewriting jquery that's all jquery no is anyway. no jquery is like five hundred thousand lines i'm talking about like five <laughs> lines <laughs> you know what i'm saying though tell me that's not a hot helper function and i'm joking that's about the money sign function. but it, sh- it should be something like should be a British pound sign. A pound yeah, sterling that's sign. really funny. We should do that. <laughs> Too bad I don't know how to write one without. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like googling L pound probably and copying it. Oh no! It's just a money sign emoji. Better money sign emoji. Yeah. So that needs to happen. Um, yeah, that's right, dude. I I have drop downs. And I have yeah, sl- just and I have boxes. modals, mm-hmm. and no, are they just alerts? They're all raw CSS, no JavaScript. It's so easy to make a modal or the things I'm doing, dude. Here's how you make modals and dropdowns without even JavaScript. Well, maybe a mm-hmm. little sprinkling of JavaScript. The focus selector. If you yep. focus selector. focus selector, that's it. And then show. Well, you can also and checking state on things. Yeah, sometimes I use an like that's my huge. drop down is an input checkbox that's hidden, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. the whole thing's wrapped like the logo, like the in this instance is a cog wheel that you click and shows like a settings drop down. Mm-hmm. That when you click, it's all in a label that is for the ID of a hidden input checkbox, and then there's just Correct. some CSS that detects if I've done that things checked so or. many times. Yeah, that's what's up. Why are we we pull in view labels, labels for are modals hot, dude. and drop downs? You know why? No one's you ever used why? view for anything but a modal and a drop down. I'm just gonna be honest. You know why? Because hacking CSS is like a huge pain and it's really gross. Like I was no. just my buddy Ian, uh, man, we don't even have time for me to talk about my buddy Ian, but my buddy Ian's learning to program right now. Okay. And I've been 
pointing him to things and he's been doing things and all kinds of stuff and when it comes to css i was like i am going to suggest to this guy that he just not learn css (laughs) and instead learn tailwind really and see what happens wow right that's a really good question if that's the right thing or not Right, I just, but I was like, listen, here's the thing. He's either going to learn Tailwind and not get it and then learn CSS, or he's going to learn CSS and not get it and then learn Tailwind, <laughs> right? So it doesn't really meet matter. in the middle either way. Yeah, either way, like, all we're doing here is, like, letting him set a background on a box, you know? Yeah. Like, he's going to have to learn one way or the other. It makes so sense, decided, actually. I I think that's the right move. I do. Well, he refused to do it. Oh, he wants he, he wants he told me that the internet told him that he had to learn css and then <laughs> and then get this and then he's sending me like the crazy questions of like why don't floats work well and <laughs> all these other things i'm like cuz css is dumb and bad like it's all dumb and bad it's always been dumb and bad like the only stuff that's good came out like last year <laughs> everything else in css is terrible like i don't know why you're doing any of this flexbox good um Flexbox good. Transition CSS transform grid, good. So good. CSS grid good. I don't know about grid. No one uses. No like one's going to use grid. Grid's dead. I told him he wasn't allowed to learn Flexbox till he learned grid. Really? And now he's making. Websites I don't even with grid. know grid. He's making websites with grid. Oh, Ian dude. knows more than you, and he doesn't even know how to. Program. I've watched the talks. I did the code pen. Yeah, it's easy. It's not easy. It's not easy he's to remember. It. It's not intuitive. He's doing no it. No one's he's a, grid's dead. He's not a programmer. He's a lab tech. What? Works at a lab. Oh, I mean, he shouldn't do. He should learn Flexbox and push that as far as he can. Yeah. Well, he's All right. Grid is probably right super dope for site layouts. Yeah. So he's doing. He's doing a great job. All right. Should learn Flexbox though. I just told him he had to learn Grid first. That's something though. I'm gonna just shout this from the rooftops. I have never used CSS Grid. That's cool. Go for it. See how long you can run it. I mean, I imagine that I probably should have, so I'm not going to die on this hill. <laughs> no, see how long you can keep it going. <laughs> oh. Just just keep it running, you know? No grid. No JS, no, gr- no grid. No grid. <laughs> no grid, no good. Yeah. Transition and transform. Peter. What's that? My buddy Peter. Peter. He's either 29 or 30 now. Never has had a driver's license. Never has driven a car. Really? He's He could afford a car. He could go get a car. He just doesn't. And I don't think he's ever gonna. That's all right. And, yeah, he lives in Baltimore. He can walk everywhere he needs to go or take the bus or take an Uber. Like, Sounds good. He's just keeping it going, you know? Oh, this but you're saying this because... Because it's, it's like, like me CSS and grid? grid thing. Yeah, it's like you and your CSS grid thing. Yeah, I mean, I live in a city. Who needs CSS grid? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come yeah. on, let's be real. <laughs> yeah, like my favorite restaurant's right around the corner. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, I don't need CSS grid. Yeah. Who needs CSS grid? And it's better for the environment to use Flexbox anyway. For real though, transform, transition is something Amazing. that I've only Amazing. really heavily started using in the last year, probably even the last... So good. Yeah, I'll say the last year. But now I use it all the time, all and the time. everything's buttery. Like, but, but. you got your you got your opacity. Cha- oh, like yeah. the one kind of annoying thing is, if you you can't transition to auto. 
uh, oh, I don't know. I mean, you can't you can't transition a component in an element in and out. You have to opacity. Mm-hmm. So it's just annoying because you have to do um, like visibility stuff instead of display none. Because if you display yep. none, it'll kill it before the opacity zero, and it just blips out. My that's my my only problem is uh, if you want to transform height. Yeah. Uh, you can't go to auto. You have to have a defined height. Gotcha. So you can't let the content define the height. It's super annoying. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I I haven't done much uh, transitioning height and width stuff outside of the transform stuff. Um, or sorry, yeah, transition, not transform. Um, but yeah, like... So say, for example, you had like, a, like an accordion. Yeah. Right? And you've got like tabs at the top that you could click and it would open the thing yeah, underneath. Yeah, yeah. You can do that all with checkboxes and labels and... yeah height uh except that you have to have a defined height and have the middle scroll if it gets too long which is annoying gotcha yeah yeah not perfect here's a weird one so you have a drop down uh in your accordion example where the late mm-hmm. where the heading you can click on and off and it'll like close and open it and it's a checkbox right mm-hmm. and you got your css apply that to a little drop down menu um mm-hmm. You click on the cog wheel, you show a little settings menu. You've secretly, you know, toggled a hidden checkbox, right? Mm-hmm. Now, when you click away somewhere else on the page, normally you'd expect the drop down to close. Yes. Right? Yes. But how do you do that? Uh, you can use the not selector. I know there's a way to do this. I've done it before. How would you do it? Or you can have... No, you can have... Sorry, this is what you do. You do focus on the parent. Okay. You have focus on like a parent element. I forget exactly but I'm talking I like it. I want to be able to click like anywhere on the page, not just an immediate parent. Uh-huh. Anyway... Then you have to use a checkbox that's checked. I think that's the only thing that you can do. So what I did was I registered a global window event listener for clicks. Uh-huh. When you open it, I register a global click event listener on the window yes. and get all the clicks that bubble up and check if the target is not anything related to the dropdown. And if it is, I set the checkbox to false and then remove the listener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I like it a lot. Dude, this is it. I'm having so much fun. If you, if anybody's looking for like a really fun way to like, I don't know. Build a whole UI with no JavaScript. <laughs> but really, like next time you have to do something, don't use Try. don't yeah. use a framework. Use actual like DOM APIs. It's so it's much great. fun. But be it's aware, great. of Super course. Fun. You know, this is I'm gonna I'm gonna reply to my own tweet here and say, but it doesn't support IE six. Um, yeah, you know, but what? you do have to no be aware of the things people. that nobody cares about those people. <laughs> It is true, though. In some projects, like I've had to work on projects that have to support IE11. And so I can't. Right. But I don't. If you. IE11, maybe. Yeah, right. That's the one. IE10, I don't care about you. No. No one should have to support IE10. Mm -mm. No. Anybody who's using IE10 is dead by now. Yeah. (laughs) Or they will be, like, by the time they figure out how to get the podcast is out. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Should we wrap it? Let's please. It's a long one. Long one. One good one. One forty two. But good ones. So much solid stuff in there. So many meanders. Yeah. Oh, oh, quick recommendation to everyone. 
go check out the sleep with me podcast it's an amazing podcast for going to sleep Mm. that's all that's all peace you out now cue outro music now go that was a big one 143